0: This morning, as we consider the prospect of a new year, I want each of us to pause and think about our individual journeys of faith. As much as we adore and recognize a Savior who doesn't change, our experience of Him does change, and in this coming year, your journey of faith is going to determine how I want to encourage you, if you haven't already done so, to take a Bible and turn to Hebrews chapter 11. Hebrews chapter 11 is often called the Hall of Faith. It contains example after example of men and women who have trusted God at critical moments in their life. The title of this morning's message is Critical Moments in a Journey of Faith. God is interested in your faith I don't know what else you think he's interested in, but he is very interested in your faith because it is your faith that determines your relationship to him. Everything you receive from God is through faith. Every experience you have of God will be by faith. And God is interested in what's happening to your your faith. Now, in previous studies, about a year and a half ago, I think we studied the little book of 1 Peter. One of the things we discovered in that little book was that God is active with the serious Christian. He is active in taking their faith and proving it and purifying it. He proves our faith to show it's genuine. He purifies it so that we're not trusting in anything else or in anyone else. And so as we come to this passage of Scripture, we discover that Abraham and Sarah multiple times, not once, but multiple times encountered God through significant moments, critical moments, when they were called upon to exercise their faith. More is said about Abraham and Sarah in chapter 11 than anybody else that they talk about from the Old Testament. And so we wanna look this morning at six critical moments in your walk with God. Six critical moments that you need to prepare for in 2018. They make a difference. A critical moment is that time when you must choose to trust God more than you trust yourself or anything else. A critical moment is that moment when you have the opportunity and miss God's plan. And so we want to look at these critical moments. It's interesting to me that in the Old Testament as you read, you'll read about men and women who lived for decades, but you only read about one or two or three particular stories out of their life. Often those stories represent the most critical moments in their life. This year may be filled with critical moments for you. And so what are critical moments in a journey of faith? What are the six that I want to call your attention to today? Number one, here's the first one. When God is speaking, when God is speaking, listen to verse 8. By faith Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance. He did that by faith. The word faith there is used almost like an instrument. This was the means by which he went out. He did it by means of faith. And, and that is, occurs over and over again in this text. By faith, this man did this. By faith, this woman did this. Now, he heard God tell him to leave when he was 75 years old. And I'm not going to ask for a show of hands. But at the age of 75, he was called to leave his country, a familiar place, everything he had known. At age 75, he was called to leave his family and all of his extended family. In Genesis chapter 12, verse 1, it says, get out of your country from your family and from your father's house to a land that I will show you. He was being asked to leave his country and his extended family. Why did he do it? Uh, Some years ago, I interviewed a man for a position uh, when I worked for our denomination here in Arkansas. And at state convention, I was interviewing a man to basically tell the story of how we do missions together in Arkansas. And at that time, I felt it was really important that we find someone who had been a missionary overseas, who had been a direct recipient of cooperative program mission funds through Southern Baptist to help tell that story. I found a man. His name was Bill Bullington. For nearly 40 years, he had served in West Africa as a, in a French-speaking part of Africa as a missionary. He was a godly man, precious man, and he had just retired in Hot Springs, Arkansas. And uh, He was 70 years old. He had built a house. He had retired. He and his wife, Evelyn, were settled. They had spent decades in missionary service. I called him up, and I said, Bill, would you like to come work for Arkansas Baptist and help tell the story of how we support missions around the world? He said, no, thank you. I said, all right, Bill, and we hung up. I just kept praying. A few days later, I got a phone call. Bill called me up. He said, Don, have you filled that position yet? I said, no, sir. He said, I think God wants me to do it. So he comes in for the final part of his interview. He and Evelyn are sitting, in a couple of chairs, I'm sitting across from them, and I looked at Bill, this man who had spent already nearly 40 years of his life overseas, he had served also in Richmond at the International Mission Board, he'd been a vice president there. I looked at this guy, this distinguished service, his faithfulness to God and his calling in his life, and I said, Bill, I know you're supposed to be retired. He said, yep. I said, Bill, you really don't have to do this. And his wife at that moment reached over and punched him in the arm and said, that's what I've been telling him. <laughs> at 870, Bill came to work for Arkansas Baptist, drove all over the state telling the story of how we fund our mission work together as Baptists. He did that for five years. Bill is uh, still going strong, still serving the Lord, still taking trips overseas, but now he really is retired in Hot Springs, Arkansas. Why did he do it? Why did Abraham, at 75 years of age, leave his home, leave his country, leave his family? Why did he do all those things? What's interesting in this text, it says, by faith, Abraham obeyed. That word obeyed, the root of that word means to listen. By faith, Abraham listened to God. God was speaking to him. He knew God was speaking. He wanted what God wanted for his life. He wanted the best. He wanted whatever God had in mind. He wanted whatever God was on his heart. God, if this is what you have for me, sign me up. He was listening. It's a critical moment in his life. Are you listening? This year, there'll be many opportunities for you to listen. Each day when you get up, as you seek the Lord and pray and read His Word, you can listen. When you come to Bible study on Sunday mornings or during the week, wherever your group meets, and you study God's Word together, God will speak to you. Certainly in the congregational time when we come together and worship, as we sing together, as we study His Word, God will speak to you. But God is speaking. There's a second critical moment that you're going to experience this year in your journey of faith, and that's this, number two, when I know it is time to leave. Not only when God is speaking, but it's a critical moment when I know that it's time to leave. The rest of verse 8 says, and he went out not knowing where he was going. Abraham knew that he had to go instead of staying, but when he left, it says he didn't know where he was going. He was willing to obey God with very little information. When I know it's time to leave, it's a critical moment in my journey of faith. There are moments where we know we're finished with a particular assignment, a particular job, a particular role, a particular relationship. We tend to want more details than just go. We want more information than it's time to leave. We want to work out the details. We studied this earlier in 2017 when we studied experiencing God. And we discovered that when God leads you and me, he doesn't give you the whole map at once, does he? He doesn't come to you and say, here's what I want you to do for the entire rest of your life in detailed form. Turn to page 133. That's what's up next. God doesn't do that. He leads us in steps, not with maps. Now, why does he do that? Why does God lead us in one step at a time instead of with a map where he gives us all the information at once? Because God wants you to come to him for more than just leadership he wants you to come to him for a relationship and when he's leading you step by step that's what you wind up with a relationship with God so it's a critical moment when I know it's time to leave and when it's time to leave you may not have all the information that you want just him and just the knowledge that he's going to take care of you will that be enough when that critical moment comes there's a third critical moment when I know I need to stay. It's critical when I know I need to leave. It's also critical when I know I need to stay. In verse 9, it says By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise. Now, God had said, If you go, Where I'm telling you to go, I have something for you. I have a place for you, an inheritance for you. And now he's following the Lord and he's living in this promised land, but he doesn't own anything. And he's waiting. And he's waiting. And he's waiting. Have you ever had to stay when you wanted to leave? It may have been a job. Oh, God, get me out of this job. It may have been a place. It may have been a relationship. Some of you right now are pondering a relationship, and you're saying, I want to get out of it. You may be married to that person and yet you know in your heart God wants you to stay. When you feel like you're, you're not getting anywhere, and God hasn't opened a door for you to leave, and God hasn't opened a way forward, and nothing is changing, nothing seems to improve, nothing seems to get better, how do you feel in that moment? You may feel like God's forgotten. You may, you may feel like God's wasting your life. I'm wasting my life in doing this thing, staying here, because God wants me to stay here. But you know, all through the Scripture, there are stories you and I read. We take it for granted because we just read them superficially. We don't read very deeply. Don't you think it's a waste for someone in their early 30s to die? Jesus died as a young man. Most of the time we read of the death of a young man, we say, what a waste, Paul sitting in prison. At one time, he was a rising star in the academic theological world. He was a brilliant man, massive intelligence. He wrote things that changed the world, but all he knew at certain times, he's sitting in prison. He's not starting churches. He's not sharing the gospel the way he would like to share the gospel. He's sitting in prison and writing letters that he hopes gets to somebody who might read it. Do you think he ever felt wasted? The only time you're wasting your life, the only time you're ever wasting your life is when you're outside of the plan of God for your life. Could Abraham have experienced that feeling of wasting his life? Well, God had made a promise. Where was the fulfillment? Where was the land? It says he lived in tents as a stranger, as in a foreign country. He didn't fit in. He believed in one God. Everybody around him believed in multiple gods. He was by himself. He only owned, the only thing he ever owned was the burial plot for his wife's grave. That was it. And he stayed. Why? How did Abraham overcome that struggle that many of us experience? Well, in verse 10, we see the answer. For he waited for the city. He waited for the city, which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. The key to staying is to reinterpret the experience as waiting. And the key to waiting is a deep conviction that God is building something that I don't want to miss. God's doing something, and I want to be in the middle of it. And so I'm waiting on Him. I'm trusting Him and what He's doing. It's a critical moment when I know I need to stay. When you want to run, will you stay? In 2018, will you trust him and wait if you know he wants you to wait? The fourth critical, 11, it says, By faith Sarah herself also received strength to conceive seed, and she bore a child when she was past the age because she judged him faithful who had promised. Therefore from one man and him as good as dead were born as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore. This passage is saying that at one point they had been promised a child and they got to a place in their waiting where it was physically, scientifically impossible for Sarah to conceive a child. And in Romans, it says in chapter 4 that, that Abraham was in the same condition. His body was as good as dead. I don't know if I ever told you this story. My first pastor, I was preaching through the book of Romans. 27 years old. came to Romans chapter 4 I wanted to explain the miracle the fact that Sarah was able to conceive well past the age when she should have been able to have a baby so I explained very carefully and very technically the condition called menopause I thought I was being a good expositor of the Word of God all I got was a bunch of hate mail In just a few verses, the Scripture's describing something that was absolutely impossible. There was no hope. There was absolutely no way. And it's a dangerous moment because at this moment, Sarah feels powerless. Abraham feels powerless. And the temptation in that moment is to help God out when we're out of control. To take control, to somehow make God's will happen. And they did that with a young boy named Ishmael. That didn't turn out so well. We need to let God remain in control. If I can control God, that means that God is not in control of the rest of the world. And I want Him in control of the rest of the world, don't you? And so I don't want to control Him. And so I've got to realize that I can't control God. When you are powerless this year in 2018, and there are liable to be moments when you feel powerless, will you rest in His power, in His omnipotence, His all-powerfulness. Will you rest in the, the, that truth, that fact? There's a fifth critical moment that comes in a journey of faith, and that is when I'm longing for something. These get harder. When I really want something that I think will make me happy, if I could just have this thing, this person, this situation, this circumstance, I would be happy. When I'm longing for something, and that longing is not being met, that's a critical moment. Look at verse 13. Then all these all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them afar off, were assured of them, embraced them, and confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things, declare plainly that they seek or long for a homeland. And truly, if they had called to mind that country from which they had come out, they would have had opportunity to return. But now they desire a better, that is, a heavenly country. Therefore, God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. Wanting, not having. This old rock song makes me think of that situation. What, what is it? Can't, can't get no satisfaction. You know, we see that in the lives of the rich and famous. We read about it in the news. They fall in love. They think this person's going to make them happy. And then a year later, sometimes two weeks later, they're no longer married. They just bring it to a close. And they're always on a hunt for what's going to make them happy. And you see them go in and out of relationships. You see them moving around. You see them going from place to place. We see that in the lifestyles of the rich and famous. But it's no different for you and me. Sometimes we long for something. We say, if I could have this thing, it would make me happy. I would be satisfied. And then and then for some of us who aren't rich and famous, but sometimes we actually get the thing we're longing for, and we have it for a little while, and then we're not so happy with it. It gets old. It wears out. It breaks. It brings more problems than it solves. You know, there's always the miracle of Christmas where people are happy on Christmas morning, but then those toys and those, those things are broken, laying around, just debris, and the the battlefield of life within days or weeks or months later. I thought it would make me happy. I longed for it, but I wasn't satisfied. One of the things we discover in a journey of faith is that there are things that we long for, and we discover one by one that those things will never satisfy, and that what I'm longing for, the only thing that will satisfy me, is a God who can fill the hole in my soul. It says, by faith, Abraham did these things. By faith, Sarah did these things. By faith, all these other people mentioned in chapter 11 did these things. But this one's a little different in verse 13. It says, these all died in faith. No longer is it saying by faith. It's talking about a condition. These people died in faith. What does that mean? They died still believing, still trusting, still resting. And one of the striking qualities of this critical moment of longing is that it is a moment where you have the opportunity to really think about your life, to really think about why I'm here. What is it that really is important to me? Your longing can tell a lot about you. Meanwhile, God wants to satisfy you. God wants you to be satisfied. God wants you to be content. God wants your soul to be full, but the only way that happens is when he enters the void. So slowly, often over the course of your life, the things that we think are going to make us happy go away, or we discover don't satisfy us, one by one by one. There's a story of a lumberjack one time who goes into a forest. He knows all these trees are coming down. He looks up in one tree. He's getting ready to cut down, and there's a There's a mama bird up there trying to build a nest, so he takes the back end of his axe and he, the flat side, and he beats it against the trunk, and that bird is disturbed and flies to another tree. Well, that happens to be a tree that's also coming down, so the lumberjack goes over to the next tree, and he takes the flat end of that that axe, and he whacks it against the tree again, again, and again. I'm sure that bird is looking down saying, why is this person being so mean to me? But what that bird doesn't understand is all the trees are coming down. There is no kindness in letting a person think that they can find their happiness in a world that's all going to burn up one day. All the trees that you and I pursue, all the things we think are going to make us happy are coming down. There's one thing that will last, and that's your relationship with your Savior, with your Lord. He will not let you build your nest and a sense of security here on earth, but only in Him. So the critical moment is when you are longing and deeply unsatisfied with your your life, are you going to be able to transfer that to the only one who can satisfy you? Will you take that longing and that that dissatisfaction and will you bring it to God and say, God, I know that you are the only one. You made me for yourself. I have a need for you. The thing that is missing in my life is you, the hole in my soul. Only you can fill. Will we come to him? And say, Lord, only you can satisfy me. And then number six. The other critical moment that you may encounter this year, some of you encountered it this past year, is when I lose what I love. When I lose what I love. Look at verse 17. By faith Abraham, when he was tested, offered up Isaac, and he who had received the promises, offered up His only begotten Son, of whom it was said, In Isaac your seed shall be called. He was the promised one, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead, from which He also received him in a figurative sense. When you lose something or someone that you treasure, it is a critical moment, probably the most critical moment in any walk with God. I don't know of any other moment that has derailed the faith of more people than when they've lost something or someone that they love. And when that moment comes, it's a critical moment, a journey of faith, because will I trust God in the midst of that loss? Will I turn to Him? will I keep walking with him will I believe in him no matter what Abraham loved God but would he love God even if he were to lose the promised son that he had waited for for so many years God had made a promise it's quoted in verse 18 and Isaac your seed shall be called and then God says in so many words now sacrifice him to me give him to me Abraham he's got to be thinking I don't understand I don't know why God's asking me to do this. I don't know why I'm going through this experience of loss. I don't know why this is ripping my soul apart. I don't understand any of this. But what's interesting in verse 19, it says of Abraham, he was concluding, concluding that God was able to raise him up even from the dead. What does that mean? It means Abraham was thinking, he wasn't just feeling. He was talking to himself. He was reasoning to himself. This isn't a prayer here. He was making a conclusion about God because he'd been thinking about the situation, thinking about God. God, this is the promised son. You told me this would be what I would have. This was my promise. And now you're telling me to give him up, to let him go. I don't know how this happens when your promise conflicts with your command. And so he's thinking about this. He says, well... Okay, if his life is lost, then God, if he's the promised one, you'll just bring him back to life. I don't know how he's going to make all of this work, but I'm going to offer Isaac. Maybe he'll raise him from the dead. Abraham is saying, I don't know how he will do it, but I know who is speaking to me. When that critical moment comes in your life of loss, and you feel completely broken, will you still worship him? Will you still raise your hands and say, Lord, I surrender to you? I don't know how you're going to take care of me, but I know who is going to take care of me, because I'm trusting you. I'm trusting you. Six critical moments in a journey of faith. I've talked a lot about faith this morning. This really is is a subject for serious Christ followers. And as you listen to this this morning, you heard about a man named Abraham, a woman named Sarah, and you thought, these are people that believed in God a lot of years ago, and I'm sitting here in a room with people that, that they say they believe in God, too, but I'm not sure I believe in God. I'm not sure I can trust Him. And as I preached and as I shared God's Word this morning, my prayer for you has been that the Holy Spirit would speak to your heart. That what I said about never being able to get satisfied, always longing, running into circumstances where you feel loss, Where you stuck and you don't want to stay, but you have to stay, or you wanna you wanna stay and it's time to go and you don't want to go but you want to stay, when all those moments happen, those are things that happen to everybody, don't they? Those are things that everybody experiences. But for a Christian who is on a journey of faith, trusting God, we're able to process those experiences differently than the rest of the world. We really are. Because we believe that Jesus Christ lives. And that when you trust Him, He comes to live inside you. And so our life takes on an entirely different dimension. We believe we were made for this as followers of Jesus. That we were made to know Him. Every human being was made to know Him. But not everybody human, every human being knows Him. Why? Because of sin. We believe what the Bible says happened in the Garden of Eden. We believe that there was a fall. We believe that sin is ripping this world to shreds. We believe that there There's an enemy fanning the flames of self-destruction in every human soul. We also believe that Jesus came as a Savior, that Christmas is about His entry into the world, that He grew up, that He walked and talked and felt what you and I feel. But He revealed to us something of who God is and how we can have a relationship with Him. He goes to a cross and He dies for our sins, the very things separating us from God. And it doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus died for it if it's standing between you and God. The Bible says the only thing you need to receive the gift of forgiveness is the very thing we've been talking about this morning, faith. Simply putting your trust in Jesus and saying, I'm going to believe what you are telling me, I'm going to believe what you did for me, and I'm going to rest my entire life on you. Trusting Jesus. Have you ever trusted him to save you, to forgive you, to change you? Once you do that, you begin this journey of faith. These six critical moments that I've been talking about become moments that you'll encounter. We don't believe the Christian life is easy because we don't believe living in this world is easy. But we have a hope that you don't have. We have a help that you don't have because we have Jesus. And I want encourage you this morning to seriously consider giving your heart, giving your life to Jesus Christ and trusting him. In just a moment, we're going to stand and sing. I'll be standing down here front and center. Uh, our other pastors will be standing down here. They will be ready to receive you, to talk with you, to answer questions that you might have. If you need time, we'll just slip out to a side room. We'll take all the time you need and help you answer the questions that are in your soul you can leave here today trusting Christ with a new life in a new year.